Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of About Abroad, where it's my job to introduce you to people who have built amazing lives for themselves in various foreign corners of the globe. We're talking with expats and thought leaders about moving abroad, remote work, visas, and all the fun and practical knowledge that you need to know to follow in their footsteps. If you've ever dreamed of making a life for yourself overseas, maybe working remotely or embracing long-term travel, retiring or studying abroad, or even just taking a peek inside life beyond your borders, you've landed in the right place. My guest today is my good friend Tracy, who joins me from the center of Ireland, but she's actually the co-founder of Grow Remote, which is a fully remote nonprofit agency focused on making remote work visible and accessible. And they run in over 144 different communities across 17 different countries, but they're highly focused on Ireland, which as you know, if you've listened to the show before, I have a huge affinity for and a long history with. So Tracy and I spent the next hour just jamming on all our favorite things about Ireland, talking about some of the opportunities opportunities arising with remote work and why Ireland might make a great location for company retreats and plenty of other things related to all of the above. So I hope you all enjoy this one. I always love catching up with Tracy. She brings a ton of energy and insight and knowledge, and uh, it's just always a blast catching up with her. So I hope you all enjoy this one. I definitely did. Please help me in welcoming Tracy to About Abroad. So you're actually at the location where you guys are going to hold the event right now. Is that correct? We're in Port Leash, which is the center of Ireland. Um, we're getting ready for uh, a fairly big uh, national slash international event here in June. Oh, my God. I am so, so jealous. I, You know, obviously, you know, we've had like plenty of conversations before uh, actually hitting record here in the last few weeks and months. But um, I, I so wish that that I could be there, but it sounds like it's just going to be fantastic. And like that part of Ireland is, is, uh, is pretty magical in and of itself, I think. Yeah, it is. It is. And from not to dive too much straight into it, but from like an economic perspective, an economic development perspective, which is us, there's 11,000 people leaving every day to commute and 40% of those would take a pay drop to work in Port Leash. And we're like, but you can, but you can. So from like an impact perspective, oh my God, uh, so excited. And if you think like towns and villages in Ireland are beautiful now, which they are, imagine what, what they would be like if people had more time and money to spend locally. Like it's just, oh, it's just magic. So uh, yeah, it's it's very exciting for us. And we would love, obviously, we tried very hard to get you to come over. But next year, when we'll have a little bit more notice, we'll you'll be the first one on the list. Yeah. Oh well, thank you. I um, you know, my love for for Ireland. Uh, we've we have shared this conversation many times before. And for for context, for anybody listening, like I uh, I've spent quite a bit of time in in Ireland. Um, it was one of those countries early on for me, like when I first started traveling that I just felt like very compelled to go spend time in. And then just once I did, fell in love with it and, and went back multiple times, ended up spending six months there at one point. And uh, particularly over on the West Coast, I just love Galway and, and that whole area. But 
do you remember when we were we met for the first time in um, in Montreal last year, right? Yeah. And within five minutes, I had like your Kimbara story. So I'm from Kimbara, which is on the border of Clare and Galway. Um, and, and you obviously got got engaged in Kimbara, which I mean, Kimbara is a, it's just it's a beautiful town. So great choice. No one guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, yeah. and so the where, but where that road crosses is like you have um, now. I'm trying to remember the details. I was trying to explain it to someone earlier because there's a pub there in the town of Kinvara, and like for to set the context for people, there's this Kinvara is a tiny town. I don't know. I mean, like you know, one stoplight, one grocery store, but like four pubs. Naturally, natural Irish uh, style, and um, and one of those pubs is your last name. Yes. So sorry, we definitely do not have a traffic light. No way. That would be way too much for us. No. And there's actually 12 pubs. 12 pubs. Uh, yeah. So Ireland has always got a, got a really kind of strange ratio around that. But um, yeah, so uh, we, I grew up in a pub. We had a pub and an undertaker. So maybe that's not what you call it when you're not from Ireland, but a, a funeral home um, and, and a restaurant. So I grew up in that business in Kinvara, um, which is just, I mean, you see, everybody uh going through Kinvara just because of where we are where there's Alloway clay Alloway caves and um, cliffs of Moher, like really amazing uh tourist destinations um just down the road from us so everybody kind of stops off in Kinvara and um, there isn't actually a lot to do there per se so in the tourism world they call it kind of dwell time so things you can hang around to do but one of the things that I found that I loved about Kinvara was um when we had the pub uh there was a you know, on um, TripAdvisor, there's like tourist attraction section. And the number one tourist attraction was a man called Michael Staunton, who used to have a fruit stall, fruit and veg stall outside our pub. And he was just a character. So when Americans are, or, you know, people from abroad would come in, he would just get them up at the bar stool and tell them stories. And all of a sudden people were coming just to see Michael, you know. So although we didn't have necessarily things, we always had great people, great community and a vibrant kind of energy around it. So, yeah, that, great town. That sounds so stereotypically Irish in a lot of ways too, like just to meet this amazing character who will sit there and tell you funny stories, keep you entertained. And like, you don't need a lot. You just end up having a great time. Like people always ask me like, what is it you love? Is it like the natural beauty? I'm like, yeah, it's pretty. Um, is it the, is it the vibrancy? It's like, yeah, it's vibrant, but there are more lively places, you know, it, but there is something about the, the people and that gift of the gab and like just, just sitting, I mean, you end up sitting there at a, maybe at a pub, it could be in a lot of different places where you just end up having these like amazingly rich and entertaining conversations. And, uh, that, that, that sounds perfect to me. There was, there was another blogger recently who wrote a blog about Tully's, which is an excellent bar in Canberra. If anybody wants to come, I'll bring you into Tully's. But it was like how they couldn't get out because they bought some local a drink. And the local, obviously, Irish people are hospitable. So they bought it back. So then it just kept on going round and round and round. And they couldn't get out because obviously you never even the tab. So they couldn't get out of the bar until like six o'clock in the morning. But, you know, it's not all bars, as you say. There's plenty more to do. But, uh, yeah, you know, it rains a lot in Ireland, obviously, and in Galway. So we need to find other ways to ourselves and other people entertained. So. Yeah. Yeah. Funny story about Tully's, I have to say. I um I watched so when I the six months that I spent there, I was one of the years my football team, my American football team, the Carolina Panthers, were in the Super Bowl that year. And so Tully's put the the game on for me. 
And we sat there until three o'clock or something in the morning watching the the Carolina Panthers lose in the Super Bowl. Um, so uh, anyway, just just good good times, good people. And I mean, I, I think people probably listening can't understand like how random this is that we like like first of all that me an American guy ends up not in Dublin or even Galway or or like one of the main cities. Like I end up in this tiny little village. Uh, outside of Galway, like 30 minutes outside of Galway. And then it happens to be that you are also from there. And then we're in Montreal chatting about this and like come to find out we have this like love for this little little village on the West Coast of Ireland. Yeah, yeah. It is. It's, it's easy to love. But yeah, you, you picked you picked well. I did. Yeah, <laughs> I got I got a lucky. Um, it's also like a music capital. Uh, like there's a lot of musicians that pass through there and and play a lot of traditional Irish music, I believe. Yeah, huge. Like, I mean, it's it's a very eclectic community. So, I mean, there's like, you know, big business people and then there's like, you know, creative, crazy artists and everybody kind of gels quite well. So it's really eclectic community. But Kimbara is in uh, the county of Galway and Galway is voted Europe's capital of culture and, and voted for by the people. I keep on saying it's not an award that we bought um, Europe's friendliest city. Wow. Yeah. So uh we have we have pretty much everything over there um in Goa. You know, it 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 genuinely does have have something for for everybody. You know what's funny is when um the first my first trip to Ireland, my wife and I at the time we were just dating, we went there and she it was funny because she also had this like affinity for Ireland and she's got like heritage and stuff there. And so we both just when we were early on in our relationship, like went on this trip there. And we didn't really know much. Like, I think it was classic, uh, you know, just like we have a week of vacation uh, and we're going to go spend a week in Ireland and we're going to do all the things that are on TripAdvisor. <laughs> and uh, and so, you know, in like seven days, we had everything from from Dublin to the Ring of Kerry to uh, kissing the Blarney Stone, like everything that you could imagine packed into this, this week. And I think we had budgeted one day to be in Galway um, and we really didn't know much about it. But we were on our, we were like going from one place to another and she just got this like wild hair and was like, I got this feeling that we need to go spend more time in Galway. And like, I'm saying we cancel the next two days and just go there and like triple our time in Galway. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know why we got all these things we want to do, but we, we followed her suggestion, which was a smart one. And we fell in love with that city. It is so friendly and vibrant, fun. Um, beautiful. It's, it's, uh, it is a gym, a hidden gym still, I think in the midst of, you know, all the great places you can go to in Europe, it still flies a little bit under the radar, but it is, it shouldn't, it's amazing. Yeah. 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 No, it is. And obviously like we work really hard at tourism and, and, and all of that in, in every in rural and regional community in Ireland, it is kind of the backbone of the economy in lots of places. So there's a, you know, there's a real, interest in making sure the people who come and visit have an absolutely brilliant time and like that i love that line i just have a feeling that we should and oh yes (laughs) i'm not sure what it is but galway's calling we gotta go we went back like five times and as you mentioned earlier later i i proposed there so um anyway it's a again obviously an important place for me um but i love that you and i have this this connection um, around it. And you've mentioned a couple times already, I, I have some context, but people listening may not. Um, you said, you know, how, how we work in tourism and we work in like economic development and stuff. So maybe you could uh, shed a little bit of light on what you do at, at Grow Remote and, and how that impacts Ireland. 
So Gourmote is a non-profit and we started off because I was a community manager for Ireland's largest bank and I ran their um, technology incubator and co-working spaces and stuff. And then around the time, around that time, vacancy rates in the main streets were increasing while the economy was doing quite well. Um, so main streets becoming vacant is incredibly harmful for the wider community, right? And it's just not a nice thing to see. So at the same time, the government were building co-working spaces all over Ireland. Um, they put in about 100 million, I believe is the figure now, into co-working spaces everywhere in Ireland. But they weren't at full occupancy because remote work wasn't really a thing. So there was kind of an idea that co-working spaces stop the commute and they don't really. So our question was, sorry, they, they, they play one part, but there are other kind of dimensions to it, like the jobs themselves. Um, so we kind of just started with, uh, is remote work something we should focus on for community development or not? And long story short, it was for four years in, team of 10, the only team in Ireland dedicated to uh, making remote work for a profit people and planet and to the social change involved in making sure that everybody has the same access to employment no matter where they live. Um, and that's, I suppose, from our perspective, we focused in on remote work because it's a first principles approach to community development. So when I was in Bank of Ireland, uh, you know, people would ask me for like 300 euro to sponsor, you know, a local event and I'd have to go back up to bankers in Dublin and be like hey can we've got 300 euro to sponsor this event in this rural town and they'd say good question what's the return on investment and I'd be like actually what's the return on investment for this volunteer and their community working so hard putting all their hopes and dreams you know they're trying to help their community and it's often just a flash in the pan it's a bandage you know it's it's not going to do you know give the effect that they really want Whereas if we plug in decent employment, we give people secure income and time, flying it. So yeah, if, if we can if we can do that, if we can teach a man how to fish, you know, uh, we can just completely transform how everything works, and that's incredible. It is. It is. Yeah. yeah. So so the the mission really is to it's it's very Ireland focused, correct? I mean, you're doing a lot of education and 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 but the idea is to stimulate help stimulate the economy via remote work and in a lot of ways in a very small nutshell. Is that is that correct? So we grew into 17 countries, but I would say that those 17 countries are quite loose. But the reason that we grew in is because we're the only organization to do what we do, how we do it. So because we didn't come from the remote world, we're not selling any products around it. We just wanted one neutral space to give you all of the information around remote work in one place. So remote how do training, workplace let's do training. You know, you can work for GitLab and Shopify, everything in one place. So we educate um, local volunteers in 17 different countries, but our primary focus currently um, is Ireland because we've got such a long way to go. We are in a bubble of remote in this part of the world, you know, the originals as I was I would call them uh you and and everybody else and to bring that into the people who can drive the economic change who can benefit the most from the change we've got a huge a really long way to go to merge those two worlds yeah so that, I mean it it br- this is where remote brings such a big opportunity to to a place like Ireland. I, I can foresee this. You have, like you mentioned, these beautiful towns and villages, but where the the first thing you mentioned when we started talking earlier is that you have thousands of people every day commuting, driving across the country, maybe going into Dublin, fighting the traffic, um, doing all the things that they need to do when they could be doing that from home, spending more time with their family, investing in their, in their you know, going to lunch in their village instead of doing that in an overpriced and crowded 
Dublin and, and redistributing that across the country, or even on a more drastic scale, I guess, people leaving Ireland and going to other countries to get jobs and, and spending their income there rather than reinvesting it in the, uh, in the local economy. I mean, I, I guess, is that what the, the government sees? Is that what the banks see is, is like the, the ROI here is, is they, uh, as they put it to you already? Yeah, so I think so on that one about people moving abroad. So our government did a national remote work strategy, and that was one of the main threats: the jobs can go abroad. Um, so if you're 23 and you get a job in, um, trying to use a different company now, Zapier, um, why wouldn't you go and live in Lisbon with your friends and have boat parties every Saturday? Um, so it's it's a completely different approach and the second challenge that we hear a lot is around well if you're pulling people back out of cities and what's the future of cities now for me it's like like imagine if imagine if we had slow streets in our cities and kids were out playing because they had the space and the time to you know and there wasn't so much traffic as fighting the traffic is a is a great line you know none of that is kind of like how would that transform it, it doesn't have to be a win-lose it can be a win-win for everybody if we manage it um correctly but yeah there's a there, there's there's pros and cons to it and i think everybody's kind of seeing that and then some property developers for instance are not very for pro remote <laughs> you know i recently shared something on linkedin that was just like i i see all these clickbaity articles every day that are like you know something along the lines of remote work is dead like get ready for return to office or whatever. And I shared it, not really thinking anybody would interact with it. It got a lot of interaction, thousands and thousands of engagements. And, uh, and, and I had a lot of people commenting on it saying like, oh yeah, those, these articles are funded by special interest groups in commercial real estate and, and likewise that are just paying to have this narrative told because they're worried about the effect that it's going to have on their bottom line. And I thought like, duh, I mean, we, we know that this sort of thing goes on, but at the same time, it was so interesting to see in, in public and in much more so in my DMS, um, people saying like, no, 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 the, the magnitude of this is massive. And, uh, and, and the people are really fighting that change. But as you said, like when we imagine if in Dublin you had, instead of people complaining about overpriced housing and, uh, traffic and the uh, the cost of everything rising and too many tourists and whatnot. Instead, if you had these like clean streets and bigger green spaces and people being able to commute in and out very easily as needed, maybe one or two days a week, but then investing more in their villages, um, it, that is a win-win. Like ultimately, that is a win-win for for a majority of the people. It is absolutely. I think though one of the things that's happening is the conversation isn't really happening. Like the conversation is happening behind closed doors. You know, it's not getting out into the ether. And there's a huge again lack of imagination. But there's, I was speaking to one uh, U.S. property developer recently who used to take um, vacant buildings and do them up in rural and regional areas and make them into things that would invigorate the main street again. And I was saying it to him and he was like, I was like, but why can't, you know, change offices to apartments, change them to, you know, experiences, change them to. And he was explaining to me about margins and profits. And he was like, you're way too naive here. You know, and this isn't how this is going to work for, for us, our bottom line. Like it, it's not. So it, it it's still, I think, something that needs to be broken into a little bit. And that's where I suppose Grow Remote comes in. It's, 
it's not a them, you know, there's an urban, r- urban rural divide. You know, we're not trying to just switch that the other way. We're trying to just balance it out. And yeah, then, then we just kind of need to interrogate these things a little bit more. So how do we make sure that buildings are occupied in city centres just maybe not doing the same things? You know? Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> Maybe trying something different and expecting a different result. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's really interesting. It's a it's an interesting world you live in because you're you are you know you said like it, these conversations aren't happening out in the in the public, but you're having them behind closed doors. And I and I suppose the ideal scenario is these conversations are happening more in the public. But um, you have that perspective of of what people are are discussing behind those closed doors, and that's fascinating. Yeah, and we, we have it directly, but we also have it for, I don't know how to phrase this in a way that won't give away anybody's position or name or anything, but there is somebody in a European slash national government role, very senior, who was kind of saying to us, you know, you don't realize the ghosts that you're fighting, like the lobbyists on the other side. You know, we hear what's happening when, when we're not, when it's not directly happening with us. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot. Who likes to change? No, people don't like change. No. No, nobody. People know? in power don't like change because, or if, if you if you've done well with the past, you're not real motivated to to move to the future. I mean, that is that is just an it's natural. I, I actually understand it, um, but uh, because you know we're we're greedy by nature and we don't want to give up the the cookies that we've collected. But um, but change is also inevitable. And and fighting it in a way that is to the detriment of others is there is a point where there's an inflection point there that 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 has to be addressed. Yeah, um, I think there's a couple of things in around you know changing those organizations where it's worked for them for so long and it, it is quite risky. And then there's I know Chris Heard came out with something last week around the number of companies that are being created now that are fully distributed. And so that new wave is coming up to take that there's no convincing and they're like, Girl remote, why would we have an office? Like there's absolutely no way I will be paying, you know, for floor space anywhere. We obviously invest in team retreats and we go to like, we went to some log cabins in the middle of Leitrim last week. Oh my God. It was, and it was, it was really rainy and gray and dark and it was so cozy. It was just perfect, just perfect. And the food down there was extraordinary. There was a brewery. Oh my God, it was just amazing. Um, so that's where we invest, right? So, um, but yeah, you know, companies kind of coming up, there's no convincing them of of this new model. It's kind of a, it's very clear to them. Yeah, I mean, focusing in there on the on the opportunity, I see tons of opportunity for Ireland in that in that regard. Like exactly what you guys are doing, you're, you're there. So you did your company retreat there. You know that I'm very heavily involved in like, uh, in, in company retreats and offsites and things like this. And, uh, I see Ireland as an amazing location. Like, so just like doing some quick logistical things that event planners go through is like one, getting people there. Well, when you have teams spread across like Europe and the Americas, for example, Ireland's an amazing location to fly into. Dublin's very well connected. It's right in the middle in a lot of ways. It's it's a nice middle ground for for a lot of people. Also, once you land there, getting to other places like the whole country, you could you can drive across in a few hours. So, um, if you're if you need to get to that cute cozy cabin out in the hills, uh, it's not too too far away. And I think also there's a desire to have these types of enterprises coming there. And so you find. 
that it's um, you know it's not it's definitely not the most expensive place you can you can go to. So it checks a lot of boxes before you even get to the fact that it's gorgeous and there's lots of fun and and things to do. It's just logistically it makes a lot of sense. Okay, you asked me if I if I wanted to pitch anything. I'm going to pitch. Yeah, pitch, please. Hit me. If you or anybody, in fact, you said, you know, you think that there might be an appetite to bring these companies in. There's more than an appetite. There's like a huge eagerness. We'll go up to the airport and collect you and drive you down. We don't care. I don't care. I really don't. Um, Like even county councils are all about this. So where I was speaking about there, Drum Drum Hanway Hideway, um, it's a whole, it's a gated estate with multiple cabins, single room occupancy, you know, lovely outbuildings, event space, all of that, really good value for money, um, superb team who run it, you know, and if if companies would begin to run, run retreats in, in communities like Leitrim, it's really, really, really impactful, not only for the income that you'd spend on, you know, you would bring into the local community around spending food and whatever, more so if there was, you know, engagement with the local community. Again, they could say, oh, wow, Chase, he's, he's sound, actually. You know, I I maybe could, you know, work for them or I'll, I'll, I'll learn a little bit more about it. That's that's huge. That's exposure for company, for communities who just, you're still, you're still, the remote world is still a little bit alien. So, yeah, Ireland is quite, um, it, it's something that we really haven't opened up yet at all. Like, you know, that village in North Italy who has the remote retreat village yeah the workation village like yeah you know ireland needs to be at that stuff let's build it i want to let's build it tracy i'm in <laughs> so there was a building for sale there was a big like a convent where the nuns would be for sale like eight hundred thousand in roscommon in the middle of like another kind of in a rural place and i was like oh but i well like, should we buy it now of course we're not going to buy it but um you could definitely turn it into a retreat destination on the water everything it'd be perfect oh you've got me sold um we, we might need to cut this out i don't want other people to steal our idea uh yeah. <laughs> i um I can get whatever boats you can whatever you want but yeah this is um, this is what we're transitioning to though I mean in all seriousness like so so there's this um, progression that's happening like um, at Duist for example we we've been remote first like completely distributed uh, since our inception in 2007 and then like we didn't even start doing retreats until 2015. So there, that was a long time to exist as a company before we actually met in person. And then since then, like that's a pretty good ways back now. We've just recently really started to invest in like doing, like seeing retreats, not just as like a nice thing to do, but like actually this is a core part of our company culture. This is a core part of how we get things done. We need to do this at a really, really high level. It's, it's why I am paid what I am to be able to focus so much on this because our CEO sees it as like, this is the next step as distributed work becomes the new normal. And, and so anyway, I get to spend a lot of my time focusing on our offsites and retreats and stuff. And I, and I love that. And what I'm seeing people migrate towards, um, is like, we used to go to the, when you first start doing retreats, the easy thing is like, let's go to a big city. It's easy to meet up. They have all the amenities we need. We can book a the big hotel in the middle of town and walk to restaurants and they've got a conference center and boom, done. But then as you, after you do that a couple of times, you start finding yourself wanting more people go, okay, I don't want to go to like the family friendly resort where everybody's lounging by the pool and I've got to kind of work and be in work mode. Um, but these places are what's kind of that next tier. Like 
the the convent in Ireland that's an hour outside of Dublin that you can get to. We rented a village in Austria last year. Um, this year we're going to a small village outside of Florence and rented a big like Medici castle kind of thing. Like, so this is what people want. Like when I ask the team, when, and when I ask people at other companies um, who are doing this, that's what they want. They want those experiences. So I, I think Ireland's an amazing location for this kind of thing. Yeah, you're gonna you you have to put it in for the next one. Yeah, Chase, you can't, yeah, yeah. You can't skip us one more time. There, there's another place down in Cork. It's a seminary. I think that's the word where the priests would live, and we stay there for a different retreat ourselves because we're testing all these retreats for the good of everybody else. Oh, it sounds like a rough job, Tracy. <laughs> so bad, yeah. But it was it was, it was just incredible. Like just it was just it, the whole feeling of the space and, and and everything. Like it was just it was really powerful. And like that, it was something different. And there's something about. Um, not you know for just from an economic development perspective towns in our in towns any rural and regional town who relies on tourism during the winter months they will uh their population will decrease massively um and you know hospitality won't be as active everybody came down for their summer homes are gone again all of that kind of stuff so th- there's an opportunity for companies to rent a rural village practically you know you can just take it all over and that's really Im- brilliant for the company but actually it's really brilliant for our local communities too so if we can bridge retreats which is grow remotes thing right bridge retreats with community impact which can happen simply by going to the local pub and having i keep on mentioning pubs but that is ireland uh, uh having a, a drink with locals that's it's just brilliant it's it's really really impactful so uh from a company side it makes sense and grow remote we get so much energy from our team retreats one of the guys yeah donal actually who you know was really eager to have a retreat recently and uh, so we did one and and afterwards i was like oh my god i didn't realize how much i needed that and i just left you know ready to go again this is the whole thing like with, with these, uh, this is why I love them too, because I always leave more energized when I've had, and, and that, that energy carries me through the the next six months until we do the next one. So that's our cadences. We do them about every six months. And it's, it's like the pair, the, the paradigm has shifted completely from I have to go into an office every single day and spend time with these people away from my family, away from my friends, away from where I really want to live to then every now and then I get to my few weeks of vacation where I get to go do those things to the opposite, which now, sorry, well, now I get the opposite. I get to do exactly what I want, live where I want, be around the people I want, work my own schedule every single day. And then a few weeks per year, I get to go spend those, that time with my colleagues and I get recharged by that from a work standpoint and it carries me through to the next one. And I I think that's why these are so important and, and on the rise. Can I ask you just a question that came up that we've had um, from companies that we work with? Um, retreats, are they um, mandatory? No, no, totally optional. I, I believe uh, they should not be, we shouldn't force them on anyone. Um, we encourage everyone to attend, but we try to make everything optional uh, for, for everyone, including when you get there, uh, everything, almost everything is optional. Like 90% of the itinerary is like, choose if you'd like to show up to this activity or meal or work session or whatever, um, with just a few things that we, that we make mandatory. Yeah. That's the same as us in terms of strongly encouraged, but actually, as I just said about Donald, it's usually the team coming to us being like, we need to get together. So we're like, we'll, we'll we'll do that because people just enjoy it. I mean, the the truth is 90, 90% or so 95% 
attend because they can't wait to. I mean, who doesn't want to go spend a, a week in a beautiful Irish countryside together with your friends and colleagues? And um, if, if the itinerary is structured right, like people look forward to that and, and can't wait to get there. The way, what we want to remove, I think, is the... It, I, I would hate to diminish the value of the distributed workforce that we're trying to promote by forcing people to physically be present in places that they don't want to. Usually it's because it's just inconvenient for their life. They have young children or obligations, or it's just not, it's just not convenient. Or sometimes it's social, a social thing where it's like, I'm very, very uncomfortable in a situation where I'm surrounded by a hundred people. Like I, I, I just will not be happy. And it's like, well, I would hate to force you to come to that. So yeah, make it optional. Can I can I ask you actually just Chase while I'm here? So from the government in Ireland did a program where they gave county councils, so our local governments, fifty thousand euro to run a campaign around remote working is the best way maybe I could summarize it. Um and a couple of the councils focused in on remote retreats, right? So if you were now uh, in front of some of those councillors and they were like, okay, what do we need to give you for us to attract you here? What is it that you're, what would you look for in a package, in an approach, in a, I don't know. We'll be right back to the show after a quick break for a note from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by my good friends over at Greenback Tax, the very best in U.S. expat tax services and the company that I've trusted to handle my tax situation since I moved abroad in 2015. Greenback is 100% focused on helping U.S. expats with their taxes and to date they filed almost 50,000 returns for nearly 15,000 happy customers like me living in more than 200 different countries around the world. After seven years working together, I can say with confidence that they make one of the most painful parts of life abroad an absolute breeze with their automated systems that store all of your information for you to make tax filing easy year after year and the friendly advisors who you actually have a working relationship with. There are no robots over at Greenback. Best of all, everyone is a CPA or enrolled agent with a specialty in U.S. expat taxes, which means they know exactly how to help you take advantage of some incredible tax breaks because you're living abroad, not in spite of it. As of January 23rd, tax season has officially arrived, so it's time to get started. Learn more about Greenback tax today by visiting Greenback taxservices.com via the link in the show notes. If you've made it this far into the episode and you're still enjoying yourself, then I would love to ask a quick favor. Open up the app that you're using to listen to this podcast and leave a quick review. You can do this in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and really just about any platform that allows podcast listening now. If you can't find that in the interface of the app, then scroll down in the show notes and find ratethispodcast.com slash aboutabroad, and you should be able to leave it from there. Thanks so much, guys. We really appreciate it and hope you enjoy the rest of the show. So a couple things that come to mind quickly are ease of access, um, both in terms of arrival and departure. It doesn't have to be extremely easy. It doesn't need to be 15 minutes from the airport, but riding on a landing and then riding on a bus for three hours or something, um, it, it gets, gets a little bit much, especially when you consider you have people coming from all over the world. We have people coming from Taiwan, south of Chile. They're going to travel for 24 hours and then to throw them on a bus throws in a lot of logistical situations. So you want to some proximity, um, to the, to the major international airport, um, is, is important. And then streamlining those logistics as much as possible for them, like taking care of that, saying, we've already got this covered for you. Here's how we'll handle it. 
Um, and then the other thing is like, once you get there, having access to stuff, uh, ideally on foot or at a very short distance, um, I think people don't want to travel all the way to somewhere to then travel more on a bus and sit and get like a, you know, everybody pack onto the charter bus now. Um, so those two things are, are big. And then I think like, obviously you're talking like accommodations. I think more people after COVID are really interested in private bedrooms. Um, so like shared rooms used to be much more acceptable and have found there's a big push for private rooms. Um, also as distributed works become more normalized and more people are doing retreats, there's more like, uh, it's not so much like a perk and an extra, I'll just take whatever I can get. The first retreat I went on, we like packed like three in a room and it was like, whatever we got to do to make this work, we'll do it. And I, and I think now it's become commoditized a little bit. So we're like, you know, actually I'm going to be there for a week. I'm going to spend a lot of time with you guys. I kind of want my, my place to go recharge my battery. Um, so, and, and options in terms of like meals and stuff. We, we mentioned the workation village down in, in Northern Italy, which is awesome. Like we, I was very close to doing a retreat there. Um, but the one thing that I, I found was a little bit challenging was they only have one restaurant, which they'll cook different meals for you every night. But there is something nice about like, you know, if you're going to eat three meals a day in the same restaurant five days in a row, that could, that could be a little bit problematic for, or, or maybe just rub some of the luster off a little bit. Yeah. Okay. makes a bunch of sense. I'm going to, when you have this posted live, I'm going to send it to all of, all of the councils who are, who are aiming to, to drive this because yeah, it's a big focus. Well, I think you guys are primed for, for some, I mean, I've spent a lot of time in the little villages. My, my favorite thing to do in Ireland was just to go, uh, we, we, I'm going to share a very nerdy thing here. Uh, people are going to might make fun of me, but we would call it exploration Sunday. And we'd just go out on Sunday and go, uh, explore a new village, go check it out, have lunch in a pub or something and, um, talk to locals and stuff, but just drive all over Ireland and go, go do that. And, uh, not just in Ireland, we've done it in a lot of places, but in Ireland, that was my thing. And then like, you have these adorable villages with tons of character, great people, lots of nature around. I mean, green, beautiful hills and, uh, coastline and stuff. So you're, you're sitting pretty for, for this, I think. Yeah. In, in some locations that, that restaurants thing without travel might be a little bit of a challenge, but I'm, I'm, I'm still thinking I'm going to take your criteria. Something you can do is, is I think this is actually a, a huge perk is like, uh, dividing bigger groups up into smaller groups and kind of making that part of the, uh, focus. So like if you're in Canvara, for example, where you have a handful of pubs and restaurants and stuff, you can suggest some sort of like rotation. It's good to, it, it's not super fun to be in a group of, let's just use a hundred people. Like it, you can't, you can only talk with five or 10 people. So breaking the group up into smaller groups is, a is a, something you should strive to do anyway. And if you facilitate that, then, um, that can make it, you know, that can be attractive actually. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think there's, we need to find our way around it, but I think like remote needs to facilitate better conversations between you, tourism, Ireland, fall to Ireland, the councils taking in live feedback from people like you and, and saying, okay, well, you know, there's this kind of category of companies who do remote retreats. Now, where do we want to settle in on to maybe market it for these different locations. Uh, but I mean, it's, it's just, 
it's it, it i mean it's again it's great for our company but it's great for it's great for uh, communities mm-hmm. agreed is there uh are, do you guys have any focus on like attracting remote talent or remote companies or like to actually come like be there or is that a part of your your focus as well yeah. So when we were running remote actually last year, we brought with us um, some people from the IDA. So the IDA, I actually can't remember. I don't I don't think I've ever known actually what it stands for. But basically, they're a superb organization, a government organization who attract in the likes of Facebook, Salesforce, Twitter to have their headquarters in Ireland. So uh, we were over in running remote and we met a big remote company and they were like, you know, in whatever amount of hundreds of jobs. And um, we had the IDA person with us, the director sat down and she was like, it was incredible to watch her pitching Ireland. I mean, this is what they do, right? But, and I shouldn't maybe say this, but it was after a couple of drinks and you would never know. It's like, she was just boom, boom, boom. And he was challenging her back and she was, yeah, but she had it all covered. And so kind of the idea there was, hey, look, so what Shopify did in Ireland was they ring fence jobs and they had like 800 jobs remote, but only within the uh, tax jurisdiction of Ireland. And that's hugely, like, that's the best of both worlds, right? Because they can't move abroad. The opposite of this podcast, but, you know, they're kind of, but but it benefits kind of everybody equally um, in Ireland. So we were kind of looking at that with them. And I think that's a model that Ireland could develop. Like globalization partners opened up here with remote jobs just in Ireland. Like that's huge, Um, you know, and, and, and we find when companies, hire one person, remote companies hire one person in uh, a rural community, it, it multiplies instantly. So if there's one person in GitLab, you'll see like in on the Irish map, it's somewhere like n- nowhere. And then the, the bubbles just multiply because people talk and people refer people in and, and and that's kind of how it spreads too. So, but we haven't really done anything on trying to attract, um, you know, general remote workers into Ireland, but we are bringing over Aaron Bolsley uh, to the conference in June. Because obviously what they did, you know, with paying people $10,000 to come move to their area. That's Tulsa, uh, right? Yeah. 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 That's, uh, that's, a, I mean, that's a fascinating thing. One of our, our uh, sponsors here of the, of the show, Make My Move is all about like um, promoting these places and they want to move international. They're, they're very focused on the U.S. right now, but they'll, they'll move international very soon to share more about these uh, communities that are actually like providing financial incentives. Um, so a lot of times it's financial, that gets the headlines, but a lot of times I think the more important thing and from talking with with Make My Move and, and people at, uh, that have gone through the process, like it's more about some of the little perks and incentives they offer and just being like welcomed into the community. I mean, the, the world's a big place. You could move to a lot of different places. So choosing where you're going to go live, like maybe a few thousand dollars or something is helps make the move easier, but being welcomed into that community, knowing that people want remote workers or, or want you to come there, um, is, uh, is a, is a big part of it. 100%. Sorry. I completely missed something that we run in something called town tasteries. So we've got 250 volunteers all across the world and they run these programs to help remote work benefit their local community. So town tasteries is where you can come in and just experience a town for a couple of days. So things like introducing you to the principal, the school principal, right? Uh, introducing you into the knitting club or the cycling club or whatever it is that you're into. But, you know, helping you get in under the surface of the community. Um, 
and just human to human. That's a, and, and that's been, that actually in, in Valencia Island in County Kerry, the school was closing and um, that attracted two new families, which prevented the school from closing because if a school closed, you're not going to get it open again. So it prevented that just by having a town tasters program. We actually haven't run, run those in a while, but we probably win again after June. Um, I but love yeah, that, that idea, yeah, it's a bit like welcome dinners were a big thing in Ireland when people um, started moving here, you know, just on a, Friday, locals would invite anybody who's new to the town over for dinner. Amazing. Is, does that still, do people still do it? Yeah, yeah. It's on a platform called ChangeX, which is where we are as well. It's, it's a platform for, for social change. But yeah, it does. Um, and the street feast and things like that. But um, yeah, I'm like, why, I need to make sure we do a couple of more town tasters this year because it I is come. like. <laughs> I want to come do a town taster. That sounds, that sounds right up my alley. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose, you know, it's, it's like, when you look at why people move, like, is there space in the local creche? Is there space in the school? Is the school good? I mean, just people have kids. But we, we asked people, like, why they moved. We did a kind of your ideal remote work town thing. And somebody said they needed a good choir because that was their thing. They work during the day. They go to the choir. So having a choir in a town could be like the biggest, you know, pull for a particular kind of person. Yeah, yeah. And you yeah, want to have so, a, a, a resource to go to to ask, like, where can I find the best choir? Like, where's the place with a, a spot on the choir? Or like, I really like to get into, um, you know, being on the board of a nonprofit, like in, in X field. Uh, is there a place where I could, you know, get, do that? I mean, having the answers to those questions make all the difference in the world. We set up a thing. So I tried to convince Nomad List. I mean, I tried to convince. I tweeted them a, a lot since 2018 about trying to do like a nomad list, but for this, right, so not cities, for rural and regional areas. Now, it's, again, logistically difficult because just, wow. But um, we then we set up something called Community Finder. So, like, you can sort by co-working space or tennis court or whatever. Um, but really, if anybody has an idea for, the, like, all the human things that matter when your location of work doesn't, I would absolutely... Um, we've got an innovation funding competition on in June as well, 10,000 in cash, anybody who has a solution for this, I'll be all over it. There's actually an Irish guy um, who built something called Gaffologist. And Gaffologist is where you can search um, search w- where to live in Ireland by like, um, I think it was Dark Skies, by proximity to public transport, by um, multi-denominational schools, because a lot of schools in Ireland are Catholic. Um, you know, again, all the things that matter to him. Uh, and that's like, that, that's, I think, is where the future of how people are going to move um, and it's incredibly exciting. The, the job was the thing that used to bring people to a place. Like it was just like you moved because you got a job there and everything else was sort of ancillary. Like you'll figure it out when you get there. And now, um, you know, for, for better or worse, I think for better, but you know, you have, you have all these options and you, and you start mentally filtering through them and what's, what's going to be best for me and my family and my situation and uh, I think having those options, that's what when we talk about the future of work, like the work is is not really the the word that I think a lot of us really care about. It's it's more about flexibility and options and and having accessibility to make the best choice for, for yourself. And this is the this is the core of it. And this is how it manifests itself in reality. Yeah. And actually, I think because we work on two sides of it, like that's it for us as well. Right. We use remote work as a tool for community development. But that's actually, I think, where companies have a challenge. One, a huge company, very senior person said to us, remote work is more of this entitlement 
that we're getting. And because maybe some of the push is about lifestyle and let me live where I want and blah, blah, blah. They're like, what about our profits? You know, what about our margins? And, you know, it, but it, it definitely is for us too. But when we're talking to companies, we're like profits, margins, retention, you know, acquisition, money, 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 money. <laughs> you got to sell it. Yeah, yeah. You got to, I mean, and, and you can have, again, you said this earlier really well, like it can, it can be a win-win for all. It doesn't have to be this like one person win, one entity wins, one entity loses. Um, but, but finding that balance is the, is the key part. I was going to ask you one, one, uh, I, I'm always skeptical to say one last question cause who knows where it could go after that. But I am curious, do you know, like, I actually don't know much about the process to come stay in Ireland beyond just what I've done. I did two tourist visas, um, came in for a tourist visa, was able to leave and come back for another one. Um, do you know much about like, is Ireland hoping to attract more digital nomads, remote workers, let people stay for longer than just the 90 days? Have you heard anything about that? So no, I do not know an awful lot about that at all. Two things. One is that um, one of our communities, uh, Armour Island off the toast, coast, toast, coast of Donegal, did a, a relocation campaign. So the population is about 400. They have 4,000 people apply to move there. And I know that we um, tried to sort some visas and it was incredibly difficult. I also know that um, one member of our team was working in Portugal and trying to get her over to Ireland was like, Oh my God, so challenging. You know, she didn't know until the day before whether she could come over. Um, and is there is there a will to pursue? Is there any talk of kind of nomad visas? I haven't heard it. Ireland has a quite a significant housing crisis at the moment and everybody's getting out of a shortages, right? So I'm not sure that they're, you know, eager, that there's an eagerness to for, for that particular side of things yet. I, I haven't heard of it. Yeah, it seems more um, like an opportunity for like rural repopulation than, than, uh, you know, necessarily attracting nomads who are probably going to go to the, to the cities a, a lot of times where you don't necessarily need more, more bodies. Um, so that's it. Yeah. And our, our unemployment rate, you know, is quite low, but our underemployment rate is quite high. So like from most perspective around social impact, it's how do you get people out of, you know, careers that they're in because that's what they thought that they could always only ever get because of where they live and how do you swap that over? So there's, I haven't seen a big focus on that. That's a, that's a very interesting point because one of my favorite things that flies under the radar about the whole remote work conversation is the, the way that it can change your expectations. Like we're all kind of, we grow up with like a ceiling, like this glass ceiling above us that we just, that's our, that's what you could reach. Like if things went really well, I could be a bartender or like if things went really well, like I could, um, you know, be a teacher at the school or whatever, whatever it might be. You have this like, kind of subjective idea in your mind of what that looks like, unless maybe you go somewhere else. And one of the things that I love about this whole movement is that it's, um, it's changing that dynamic completely. Like a, obviously you don't have to move somewhere to have a successful career if that's what you, if you really choose, but it's also like showing people like it, it's changing people's expectations by, interactions with people on different sides of different borders. And, you know, you see digital nomads going to places where previously like the, the, you know, the highest job you might've wished to be able to get was like, you know, selling popcorn at a vending machine uh, or a vend uh, like a vendor or something like that. And they're seeing people come with their laptops and what are you doing and having these conversations with locals. And so community impact projects that, 
that help spread that are are literally changing people's lives. And I think that's really cool and doesn't really get talked about that much. And, and total perspective on things we put, po- I posted, so we post, we take the jobs that are available on the market and we post them in. So we promote, we work remotely or all the jobs, but all the jobs. So I was promoting a job in automatic into local Facebook groups. And this one was Inishbofen. And the first comment was, um, if it sounds too good to be true, it is. And I went back and I was like, do you know that this company is just going to pay you to work? How is that too good to be true? Like you're going to get a salary for working. It's a scam, Tracy. It's remote. This remote thing is a scam. What, what way does your, like, is, is this working that you think that that's too good for tapping on Inish Boffin? You know, so, I mean, it's so, to try and push past years and years of it. When we did our first funding application, my mom used to mine kids and there was twins and I brought them in to do a pitch video, as you do. And I was like, uh, can you tell me where you can work in Kinvaro when you grow up? And they said, Spar and Landis, which are the two supermarkets. And maybe the hotel, and I was like, these kids don't know that these other companies exist because nobody gets paid to tell them. Isn't a time that we solve it. And it's still, it's still there. Yeah, yeah. This is real. This is so real. Uh, I've told this story before on the podcast, so I kind of hate to repeat it, but it's so pre- relevant. Like my, uh, my wife went and did a community service project in one of the Caribbean islands, working at a school there. And all the kids, like their dream job is to be a taxi driver. And it was like, that was like what they thought the best possible thing that they could be was being a taxi driver. And it was, it was so interesting to be able to portray, like, look at all these other opportunities out there. Like you, if you want to be a taxi driver, that's awesome. I'm not, you know, not naysaying that, but just to know that there are other options, should you want to do something else with your life? And, and, uh, it was just mind blowing to sit, to be like, oh, wow. Yeah, there there is more, and and there were some kids that were like really impacted by this, um, and and so yeah, I I find this like fascinating. Yeah, and there's two barriers. I remember I realized in one particular community we were we were working in. You know, we brought over like the head of community in Andela um, and a couple of people onto this island to like just meet and have conversations and make this more normal and expose people to this way of working. Because again, awareness is the biggest issue. Who's going to promote Shopify's jobs, Automatic's jobs on Inish Buffett? Nobody, because nobody's going to get paid to. So we go in and we do it. Anyway, then I realized awareness is one issue. But we talk about cultural change in companies. There's cultural change in communities, which is all of this. Well, what do you mean I can't? Uh, no, I, I, all I've known is a taxi driver. So like you're coming really left of center with this new thing. It, it takes a while. It's going to take a lot longer. Well, I thought when we started growing remote, it'd be six months. So <laughs> years in now so it's going to take uh, yeah a little bit longer than i than i had originally, originally thought the finish line keeps gets get moving back uh i love it you mentioned the islands real quick i just wanted to ask you the what are the the enos i i think i went to enos or or sure yeah 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 those little islands yeah. off the off the coast of the west coast there that's uh that's like going back in time a little bit in the most magical special way i've one of my one of my favorite little under the radar trips i've ever taken yeah, and they all have co-working spaces. Most of the uh, most of the islands, yeah, and high-speed internet. So come on over to any of them. If anybody's coming over from this podcast, we'll we'll bring you and introduce you into the into the local community. They'd love they'd love to see. Oh, uh, that's amazing. Workers. That's amazing. Things have, you guys have done a great job because things have come a long way, uh, very fast. And uh, to hear that there's co-working spaces popping up and high-speed internet on islands. Uh, I mean, that's that's uh, that's incredible. So. I love, I love the work you're doing. I've, 
enjoyed our our chats in the past and this this has been super special to to get to dive a little bit deeper on some of it here on the on the show so thank you not to make it too thank you thank you but thank you because at the very start of go remote when we had none of our own resources we had no money no full-time team we were you know we used all of the work that you guys produced particularly that one you did a step-by-step guide how to convince your boss to let you work remotely I, I, if you can go back and check the links and see how many came from Ireland, because we were just all over the resources that you were giving out. They were so helpful. So we go into like most rural communities and this is what we would be able to kind of give to people. And it was just, and that's why it's really cool. Then uh, we're on the podcast because you were so far away back in 2018. You're like, wow, they are, you know, the top tier. And now, oh, you know, oh, amazing. You've arrived, Tracy. Well, you, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's really been a lot of fun. I love the whole, like, this, this community around the people that are trying to push the future of work thing, I say that in like air quotes, uh, pushing it forward is all about building in public and sharing knowledge and, and helping each other in that way. And so there's something like very communal about that that I that I always really appreciate. So um, it's cool to hear when that when that succeeds on the on the grassroots level. Um, before we finish out real quick, I just do you want to we, we, we barely touched on the conference that you have coming up, but I want to make sure we mention that because I think about abroad listeners might be interested in it. And um, just tell us real quick, like what you guys have going on uh, coming up in June and, and who might be interested in attending. So we have a two day conference in Port Leash Centre of Ireland on June 8th and 9th, around a thousand people a really uh, active festival uh, during the evening time and a high energy interactive conference during the day. We don't do any boring stuff uh, at Go Remote. There's also no sales pitches, right? There's no sales pitches from the stage. Nobody's getting paid to sell you their, you know, productivity software or whatever. None of that is going to happen. It's about honest conversations about we how we drive the social change that we need to drive. So we've got companies who are hybrid and remote, hybrid and thinking about remote, We've got already remote companies and second category is kind of remote talent all across Ireland. So it's 250 local communities coming together in one place, all in and all person for two days only. And then we've got government and community groups because we believe that it's those three and we work with them. So in Ireland, we facilitate the largest uh, training program for remote work for companies like AXA, AAG, Erlingus um, and people who are looking to um, secure remote work and remote work ready. And they're both free. and bringing all of those together to have honest conversations around how we drive social change, the economic impact. It's more of a, com- a conference about the social impact of it um, and but how it has to work for profit first before it can work for people and planet because that's just the world that we live in. <laughs> I love it. Uh, oh, man. Well, again, I wish I could be there. I'm, I'm excited for you guys. I think it's going to be a great event and uh, I've had I've been able to peek behind the curtain and see some so I know that it's going to be great um, so congrats on that and uh, if you guys are interested in learning more about this the, the link to it is going to be in the show notes are there any other links or places you want to mention that people should follow along and we'll also be sure to place those in the show notes as well yeah, we're on all the social media platforms. Um, the only other thing that might be useful to people is we've got one guide to all of the jobs boards, all of the training courses, all of the companies hiring remotely. And if you need anything else whatsoever, you can think of us like a concierge service for remote work. We're non-profit, we've nothing to sell. It's just about how do we get this information out to everybody who needs it in one, in one space. So get in contact with anything that you need. You guys are literally leading the way in the, in the world in that, in that regard. So thank you again. Um, and, uh, I can definitely recommend people listening. If, if you're 
one of the many that I know are listening and are aspiring to find remote work or pursue location independence via remote work, um, I, I can 100% recommend going to check out Grow Remote. So uh, do so via the link in the show notes. Uh, Tracy, this was awesome. I had so much fun. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. So thanks for uh, spending so much time with us today. Thank you so much, Chase, for everything that you have done. You are welcome. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in today from wherever you are in the world. Once again, I'm Chase, and this has been another episode of About Abroad. For those of you wondering how you can best support the show, I have made it super simple for you. Just go over to the show notes of the episode that you just finished listening to and click on one of the two following links aboutabroad.com slash newsletter to get our monthly newsletter, no spam, guaranteed, or ratethispodcast.com slash aboutabroad, where you can quickly and easily leave a review for the show. It's not just important to me, it also helps more wanderers just like you find us. Finally, don't forget to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice, and we will see you again next week. Thanks again. Hasta luego, amigos.